We need to be reminded that the Lord is the Lord over all. Young and old, men and women, black, white, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, we all come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? Kingdom of God needs not only healthy and godly men, but equally vital is the presence of godly women in the church. It uh, wasn't long ago that some women, part of the feminist group, they created an expression called mansplaining. I don't know if you ever heard about the word mansplaining. In order to say how offensive it was when men were trying to explain things to women, when they did not ask their opinion. So they say the mansplaining is as old as the patriarchal culture. And I was reading a, an article from the BBC. They had a whole article on men's planning. And they even had a chart to help men. So they say the first thing that every man should ask is, has the woman asked you to explain anything? So before you say anything, has this woman asked you? Similarly, we have heard another expression, and that was no uterus, no opinion. Meaning that men, since men, they don't have uterus, they should be quiet. And men cannot speak about women's conduct and women's behavior because we are not women. Sadly, this evil mentality can and has affected the church. Of course, in, in a more subtle way. But it has contaminated the church, causing women often to refuse to listen to the preaching of men. That's why some churches, they think that you've got to have women as pastors to speak to the women. Otherwise, who are the men to speak to the women? So we need to have women pastors because they are better equipped to preach to the women. And suddenly the temptation is to think the, the preacher has no saying when it comes to women in the church. And I was thinking about, talk about men's planning. What do you do with Paul? He's not waiting for the women to ask him anything. He just tells how the women are supposed to live. And that reminds us that, and you think about the whole New Testament, all men authors, and they always speak about how women are supposed to behave and conduct themselves. And yet, they don't have a uterus, but they are God's servants. That reminds us that those who are writing the letters and those who are preaching, we are simple servants of God. We are the mailmen. We are delivering God's message. I have heard women saying, who are you to tell me how I'm supposed to live and behave? Who are you to tell me what I'm supposed to do with my life? And we, meet, we need to be reminded that the Lord is the Lord over all. And His Word reigns all of us, govern all of us. Young and old, men and women, black, white, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, we all come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? So, the last thing that Satan wants... The last thing that Satan wants here in this church is for the women to come under the authority of Titus chapter 2. Amen? Satan wants women to say, no way. This is not ap applicable to my life. So as we walk through this portion, we dealt with the older men the past two Sundays. We are going to deal with men again. But as these next few Sundays, as we are dealing with the women, I just pray that the women here will remember that that's not me, but it's the Lord's Word governing us, controlling us. And you've got to remember, remember what Paul says, look at verse 1. He tells Titus, But as for you, teach what? What accords? Remember what is fitting with sound doctrine. So all these things that we are reading here, it's just like what you need to adorn the sound doctrine. 
That's what God is giving the men and the women in the church to make the, the sound doctrine beautiful, attractive. And people look at you, they say, wow, that's adorning the sound doctrine of God. So, I just want to be very clear that what I'm doing here, I'm just delivering the message of our God. And that's good for you women in this church. It's beautiful for you. Embrace the truth of Christ and reject the lies of the world. Amen? So here's the outline of this morning. We are going to just continue. Through, we're in part three, the call to the older women to live healthy or sound lives. So that's where we're going to be today. And we saw already the call to pastors, the call to the older men, and now we are in part three. The call to older women, not the old women, right? There is a difference between old women and older women. So that's the call to the older women in the church. And remember, Paul just addressed the older men, telling the older men how they are supposed to behave. The older men are supposed to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, healthy or sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. And remember what I said, that I know that as Titus was reading that letter, the women, those who were married, they were elbowing their husbands and saying, pay attention to that. Saying, amen, amen, my husband needs to be more sounding love. But there is no time. As soon as they said, amen, Paul is saying, the older women likewise. Meaning, don't think you're going to escape. We are all here. We all need to be exhorted. The pastors, the younger men, the older men, the younger women, the older women, everybody needs to be exhorted by the Lord. Amen? So Paul now, look at verse 3. He's dealing with the older women in the church. The older women, the church knows. We don't need to, to, to be specific about an age. You know who the older women are in the church. You know who the older, more mature, godly women are in the church. I like what Thomas Oden says. He says, and, and he, he brings some clarity here. He says, since life expectancy was much shorter in those times, what Paul called older women would more likely today to be called mature or middle-aged women. Think about how early people died in the first century. So, and you see the, look at verse 3, older women likewise. Why the likewise? This adverb is important. Because what Paul is saying is, just like with the older men, older women need to be taught. Older women need to be shepherded. Older women need to be pastored in how to live a dignified life that will adorn the sound doctrine. Women in the church, they're not a second class. I have, sadly, I have been to, I have heard of some Reformed Baptist churches where they treat women as a second class. No. They need to be learning and they need to be taught just like the men in the church. Kingdom of God need not only healthy and godly men, but equally vital is the presence of godly women in the church. Daniel Doriani and Richard Phillips, they say, if Christian women stand in faith and godliness, the whole of the Christian church will stand beside them. So you think about Paul just addressed the older godly men in the church, the older men, and what he's saying is, this older godly men, they need older godly women to stand by their side. The church needs, the church needs older godly men and older godly women. Amen? And we saw the first one, the first thing that Paul tells is that the older women are supposed to be reverent in behavior. Reverent in behavior. It's an interesting word. You can see by the different translations. So we have reverent. The NIV has reverent in the way they live. Or the King James has behavior as becometh holiness. And I, I believe that it's, it's, it's parallel to the older man must be dignified. Remember, dignified, full of dignity. And the older women, likewise, they're supposed to be dignified, but he used a different word here. And the expression that Paul uses here, it's beautiful. 
It's, uh, it's only used this time in the New Testament. And this Greek word that he used for reverent was used for the women who serve in the temples as priestesses. So what Paul is calling the older women to do here is to behave in a way that shows that they have been bought by Jesus Christ and now they are priestesses to our God and King. Amen? So that's what he's calling the older women. Paul is saying that the older women in the church are supposed to behave and con conduct themselves as royal priesthood. You, ladies, who are saved, you are priestesses of the triune God. What an office that is, no? To be called priestesses of God, serving before His face. Once again, Doriani and Philip, they say, the word for reverent contains the root meaning of being priest-like. The idea is that just as priests are set apart for holy service, older Christian women should act as befits their holiness in Christ. Then he quotes another theologian here. The simple meaning is that, that we must take seriously the fact that we belong to God. So he says, they say, a reverent Christian woman will yield her heart and mind to God's word and place a priority on the worship of Christ's church. That's what Paul is calling the older women to be like. Priestesses. That people look at the older ladies, the more mature ladies in the church, and see them as a royal priesthood. Women who serve this beautiful and majestic God. And Paul is going to show us here, you can see, in verse 3, that he's going to show that this priestly conduct, this reverent behavior, will be manifested in the consecration or the dedication of their mouths, how they speak, in the consecration and dedication of their appetites or desires, and the consecration and dedication of the purpose of their life, the time, by spending time with other women teaching them. So that's what Paul is showing us here. This reverent conduct, this priest-like behavior will be manifested by how you control your mouth, how you control your appetites, how you control your lifestyle, your time. So let us move on. We saw that last Sunday, so let's move to the new part here. And the first thing that Paul tells the women in the church is that they cannot be slanderers. An older godly woman in the church will show a reverent behavior by how she speaks. What comes out of a person's mouth will reflect and reveal whether that person is truly a holy priest of the holy God. Paul says that women cannot be slanderers. That's the ESV. Or if you have the Legacy Standard Bible or the NAS, it has malicious gossips. Paul used a very interesting word here. And the Greek word is where we get devil, diabolos. That's what Paul is using. He, he used for the slander or the gossip, the word diabolos. And you think about much of Satan, much of the devil's schemes and attack relates to lies and falsehood. Right? That's his major weapon is to lie to people. That's what slander, attacking people is... Lies and falsehoods. So slander, gossip, defamation, is mirroring one's character. It's all diabolic actions that harms the church and have nothing to do with a reverent behavior. That's what Paul is saying. Don't be diabolic with your mouths, with your tongues. You are a holy priesthood. Therefore, what you say, how you say things about people must reveal that. So sisters, how vital it is for the church that your mouths will be used for the glory of God and not for the well-being of Satan, the devil. Gerald Bray, he says, as experienced managers of their households, in many of which the church would have gathered. The old women set the tone for much of what went on in the Christian community. They did not preside over worship, but they created the atmosphere 
and their conduct might easily determine whether a congregation would survive and grow in a healthy state or deteriorate and eventually disappear. This is why Paul went on to say that these all-important old women should not be diabolic, slanderers. He says, Paul understood how they could easily have lapsed into the kind of gossip that would spread false rumors and how critical they could be of others, not least towards other women like themselves. For whatever reason, women do seem to be more prone to this kind of thing than men. Though, of course, a man who did such things would not have been tolerated either. Amen? I think it was last week, one of my girls, they were watching a, a movie there. I sat down to watch. I had no idea what that was. It's called Tales of Avonlea. Tales of Avonlea. Or The Road to Avonlea. And, and I was just sitting there for a few minutes and I saw this. Her name was Clara Potts. Or Mrs. Potts. And she was well known in town for her gossip. She was the gossip lady in town. And I said, man, the, le- the last thing you want to be known for is to be that lady who is always gossiping about people. Amen? We cannot have Clara Potts in the church, Miss Potts. By no means. And what is sickening is that the CNN, and the CNN has another part of the CNN Health. Some time ago, some years ago, they published an article, The Science of Gossip and Why Everyone Does It. And in this article, the author says, people feed off gossip. But it's not just tabloid readers who love to dish. Social scientists have found that everyone is hardwired to pay attention to gossip and to participate in it. In fact, it's an evolutionary adaptation. It has become human nature to spill the tea. And I would agree, yes, it's human nature, the sinful nature, to be gossipers, slanderers. That's part of the sinful nature. But there's no space for this, what they are endorsing. This whole article is kind of, oh, there's this good aspect about gossip. and uh, Not in the church of Jesus Christ. Paul says, let no, and the word that he used there in the Greek is rotten, something that's, just like a, a corpse that's jo- just rotten. They smell. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Amen? So how I speak to others, about others, or even in my home, how am I speaking about other people? people from work, people from the church, in my home, to other. That can be very revealing if my words are being used for building up or harming. So gossip is not a woman's issue, but a diabolic device to bring death. Dorian and Phillips, they say, the mature, the experienced Christian women we have learned that the damage inflicted by words can be greater even than physical assault. They will care about the reputations and feelings of other people more than the fleeting pleasure of malicious tail-bearing. The Greek word for slander is diabolos, connecting with the reality that Satan is a diabolical slanderer and false accuser. Instead of using their tongues to the, devil, to the devil's cause, godly older women will be concerned to honor, protect, and edify. Amen? And it's a beautiful thing to be part of a church where the women here are women who use their tongues to bless others, bless the Lord, and build one another up. And may the Lord continue preserving us. Amen? So, the first one is the control over what's coming out of our mouths. And now Paul is going to move to what we are putting inside our mouths. And of course, they're all dealing with the heart. So he says, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders. And now what he says is, or slaves to much wine. 
As you read Greek literature of the first century, you see how the, especially the older women, they were a target of mockery. So if you'd go to a theater during the, the, the Greek time or the Roman times, and you go to a theater to watch a play, you'd see how often they, make, they made fun of older women. And they would make fun of the older women, especially by their heavy drinking and the loose tongue. For drinking a lot and then being the gossip people in town. So you think about especially Crete, the island of Crete, where Cretans were well known for drunkenness and lies. It was part of their culture, their stereotype. But Paul says that the older women in the church cannot, by no means, match the stereotype of their culture. They need to be women who are different from their culture. Women who are the stereotype of God's culture, God's kingdom's culture. Amen? So it's a beautiful way that Paul is contrasting here. So it doesn't matter for what our culture says that's okay, what our society is implying that's okay for the older women. No, it's what God tells us. And look at how Paul, he describes the, he, he says that the older women are not supposed to be enslaved. Enslaved. The dulomenas. Dulo, that's the root word where you have dulos, slave. And Paul used a very biblical terminology here. We like to speak about addictions and we, we try to uh, soften. We, we try to use excuses for sinful patterns and we try to blame things on the brain, chemical imbalances. We prefer speaking of addictions as medical and chemical issues. Now we prefer the word alcoholic, shopaholic, foodaholic, instead of a drunkard or enslaved to food or enslaved to shopping. But notice that the Bible used a, an accurate description, slavery. Because addiction is, biblically speaking, in slavery. You have an idol over you. Ed Walsh, in his book, Addictions, A Banquet in the Grave, Finding Hope in the Power of the Gospel, he says that drunkenness is a lordship issue. Who is your master? God or your desire? So he says, at root, drunkards are worshiping another god, alcohol. And we can apply that to any sort of addictions. Whatever you are serving, whatever you cannot have control over, whatever is controlling you is your God and your master. So you remember now the first century. Think about going to the first century. You are in Crete. It's not like you can walk to the drugstore just to get painkillers. In order to relieve the pain, physical and emotional, oftentimes they'll do what? Just like today. Drink. Besides that, the women had access to the food and to the drink in the household. So it could be a temptation for some women to have some wine here and there. It would have been very easy for women to take a little sip here, a little sip there, and to become addicted without realizing it. Older women may have found it this particular temptation, especially if they could persuade themselves that it was a help for their physical pains, rheumatism and other pains that as you're getting older, especially older women, start having different pains. So the temptation was to just let me numb this with alcohol, with wine. Similarly today, many women are in charge of food, preparing meals in your homes. And it can be a temptation to eat more than what you should. Some women today in America, they try to bring, bring relief from emotional and physical pain with food, TV, antidepressants, all sorts of drugs, and even shopping. Many women are enslaved to the food, to shopping, while many others are enslaved to pharmaceutical drugs. Well, once again, he says, for most people, Idolatry is a slowly developing courtship. 
Idolatry is a gradual journey that begins even before the first shot of booze. Internet hit. We talk of marijuana, cigarette, or bulimic binge. It's a gradual courtship. You start little by little. You think you have control. Oh, I have control over that. Oh, I have control over that. Of course I can control. Of course I can. And suddenly when you realize you cannot do that anymore. Idolatry is slavery. Everything that controls you is your Lord and Master. So if you do not have control over food, sugar, drinks, sometimes you have to drink. You have to drink soda every day. Meaning, maybe that's controlling you. Alcohol, TV, self. How about phones? So many women, they have, they're controlled by the phone, by the social media. Money, exercise, laziness. If you do not have control over those things, you are enslaved to that. And that's exactly what Paul is going to say in chapter 3. Look at chapter 3, verse 3. That's the life apart from Christ. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, and what? Slaves to various passions and pleasures. And I just want to say that before we dismiss this, this part of alcohol as if that doesn't fit in our culture. Oh, I understand the, the first century, the new Roman woman trying to get drunk and trying to be like men. But not nowadays. Women have no problem with alcohol. That's a big lie. We have the largest number of women enslaved to alcohol than ever before. In an article from Christianity Today, I was reading this article from Christianity Today. The title was, Ladies Who Needs a Drink. More women are pouring themselves a glass of wine, including me and my Christian friends. The author, Ashley Moore, she says, Today's women are not afraid of kicking back with a glass of wine or a craft cocktail or a cold beer for that matter. Across every female demographic, especially single women and young mothers, drinking is on the rise. That's among Christians, brothers and sisters. Somewhere in early adulthood, I had my first glass of wine. And in that moment, I realized there wasn't the evil that my background had claimed it to be. And then she says, so here we are. I have a favorite bar in Chicago where they make the perfect Manhattan. Look at the contradiction. Oh, I realized that wasn't that bad, but now I have my favorite bar and my favorite drink. Hmm. Wasn't that bad that people said? And suddenly, here she is, a Christianity today, talk about her favorite bar, her favorite drink, and how often she goes drinking with her friends. She says, I'm not alone. Not only are more women drinking alcohol, so are more evangelicals. As Christian college campuses loosen rules on drinking and churches incorporate drinking into their fellowship, we are far, far more open to alcohol than generations before. It's a sad, it's a sad state when Christians, and especially Christian women, what they're boasting about is about the alcoholic beverage that they're drinking. That's just pathetic, honestly. And you guys know we, we, we have no, you shall not have alcohol. I avoid alcohol just because of my position. But it's a pathetic thing, and that has been happening more and more with men and women, where you see they want to show themselves with their beer. Now it's even among pastors. Jay and I were a group of pastors and we heard one speaking of all the beer that he makes at home and how that's so cool. And women, social media, drinking, how that's awesome with their glass of wine. How deplorable is the state of the church when that's what caused the women to think that's cool. 
She says, Drinking is so common among women and Christian women that we are not afraid to admit it at all. Somewhere in this evolution, a culture of drinking regularly to cope with life and joking about it has sprung up, especially amongst women. Facebook sites like Moms Who Need Wine, Moms Who Drink Boxed Wine Club, and OMG, I so need a glass of wine or I'm going to sell my kids, have hundreds of thousands of Facebook likes. Christian women. In 2019, the Biblical Counseling Coalition, they published a good article. The title was, Wine, Women, and Social Anxiety. Helping Women Who Use Alcohol to Inoculate Fear. And the author, Anna Mondal, she says, Women are consuming alcohol at record high rates and often drink to tame anxiety in social settings. So, brothers and sisters, before we just dismiss that as like, ah, that's not applicable. First of all, slavery to idols is applicable to all of us, and the alcohol has become an issue in our society, in our culture. Every addict, every idolater, everyone enslaved to an idol thought that he had control and power over the credit card, the laptop, the phone, until they realized that actually that thing was controlling them. So you guys know, I, I'm not saying you must be a, a total abstainer of alcohol. By no means. I'm, I just think it's, it's so sad when people need to show how cool they are in the church by drinking. That's just, that's heartbreaking. And you see pastors, it's their cigars. Man, if you want to do that in your privacy of your home. But man, when you're posting yourself to the public and showing that that's the cool thing, that's how you adorn sound doctrine. So, let me ask you, can you live without buying unnecessary things for three months? Can you put your credit card away for three months? Can you remove all your social media from your phone? Can you put your computer or TV away? Can you put that junk food and soda that you have almost every day or every day away for a few months? That will show if the Lord is in charge or if that is in charge of you. Amazon. Amazon has become a god for so many women. Amazon has, has, has become the source of comfort for so many women. Buying online has become a god to bring comfort and joy to many women. Isn't that true? It's, it's so easy to buy online and you, there you are. I just need to buy. I just need something else. Why? Because you need something else to comfort you. And you have no control over that. So instead of slaves of idols, godly women must be an example of what it is to be a slave of Christ. Amen? So not enslaved to much wine, not enslaved to much speaking. Some people have no control over their mouths. They don't stop speaking. Wait a second, need you stop. Control your mouth. Amen? Not enslaved to much eating, not enslaved to much sitting around, not enslaved to watching nonsense. Man, what I see people, sometimes I'm at the gym, I'm, I'm doing treadmill, I see people the whole time, it's 30 minutes walking, they just do like that with their phone. I have no idea what's going on. 30 minutes. I don't even know what that is. That's their lives. And I'm pretty sure that they go home, they go to work, and they're doing that also. <laughs> what are you reading? What good theological books have you been reading? So, we need women in the church who show that they are priests and slaves of Jesus Christ. Amen?
Another one. Moving also, continue with the mouth. You see, teaching. Now Paul is going to say that they are to teach what is good. Paul used a beautiful, he, this word here, it's a very unique Greek word. Kalo didaskalos, and he puts together. Kalos, meaning beautiful, good, and didaskalos, teacher. And it could be good teachers or, and the same here, teaching what is good. That's every older woman in the church must be growing in the Lord to teach others what is good. How are you going to teach what is good? If you're just putting junk and bad things into your mind and heart. That's why you need to be putting good things into your mind, into your soul, so you can be teaching good things to other people. Older women in the church are called to be good, noble, and beautiful teachers. Teaching what is beautiful and good in, sight of, in the sight of the Lord. And look what Paul says. The call to discipleship. And he says, verse 4, older women, he's going to, here he's explaining what he means by teaching what is good or being good teachers. Verse 4, and so the older women will train the young women to love their husbands and children. So you see that teaching what is good is going to come as the application is going to be, now you're going to be with the younger women in the church. And look at Paul says, look at verse 4. The ESV has in so trained, actually in Greek has a hina, it's a purpose clause, meaning in order that the reason why the women are cultivating this godly character, this priest-like behavior, is in order that, that they will invest in other people's lives. Brothers and sisters, your holiness... Your godliness is not just for your sake. It's for the sake of the whole body. The same thing with your sins. The sins that you're committing, the privacy of your life is affecting the whole body because a little leaven contaminates the whole lump. And your holiness should be affecting the whole body. You don't live for yourself. There is a much greater purpose in your life than just living for yourself and your own family. You have kingdom purposes. You cultivate a godly life so now you can help other women in the church. Kent Hills and Brian Chapel, they say the older women in the church are not supposed, they're not called and supposed to hoard their knowledge, but rather they should pass it to younger women who need the advice of those with greater experience. Sad is a church where you have a bunch of women who are hoarders. They have all the experience in life, the wisdom from God, and they're hoarding that, keeping to themselves, instead of passing to younger women who desperately need their advice and their wisdom. May the Lord deliver us from a church of hoarders. Amen? Men and women, hoarders who are just keeping to themselves. All the trials that the Lord brought into, all the pain, all the blessings that now you can share with other people, you're just keeping to yourself. No, don't do that. People need you. And look at verse 4. Paul says, and so train, train the young women. We're going to talk more about, just a thought that came to my mind is, you, you guys have heard the, the emptiness syndrome. What is the emptiness syndrome? That's when the, the mom, the, the kid, leaves the house, and now the mom, Teresa, is all depressed. Oh, my, <laughs> my baby left the home. Right? So you have the, the, the emptiness syndrome. It's just... Oh, the daughter left, and they keep the, the bedroom the same way. The, just like when she left, it's everything there. And the mom is always in depression because she left or he left. And, uh, and I'm not denying the pain. Can you I cannot imagine for the mom all those years with the, you know, investing in your child. And then they leave, they get married, they leave for college. And, but I, I'm not denying the pain, please. But the Lord tells that the older women... 
There is a limit to this empty nest syndrome because you have a bunch of people to take care in the church. The older women have a beautiful and profoundly necessary task to train the younger women in the church. Your mission in life now is not just to take care of your cats, dogs, and grandchildren, but to train and disciple the younger women in the church. Amen? Can I hear an amen to this? So Paul says that they're supposed to train. It's okay. The ESV is just one of those Greek words that it's just kind of impossible to translate. So you see how the translations have difficulty because you have the ESV saying to train. You have the NIV urge. You have the NES encourage. You have the King James teach. You have the legacy instruct. It's because the word that Paul uses here, sophronizo, Sophros, he has used this word before, related, and he's going to keep using here, about self-control. And the verb form implies that it is to make somebody sober in their mind, to bring people to their senses. So the idea is of bringing someone back to his or her senses, like slapping the face, wake up, you're going to the wrong path, come back here, come back here. Here's the God's path. Here's where we need to walk together. By instructing in prudence or behavior that's becoming and shows good judgment. So it's much more than external training because you can train a dog to do things. But this training here is much deeper. It goes to the heart and the mind of the person. It involves the cultivation of discernment and the right priorities. And you see that the older women, they don't need a formal class to do that. That's in the church. Just in the church. This wisening up of the younger ones, this instruction take place in private discipleship. Through personal example. Brothers and sisters, here is how the church is much more than coming to church on Sunday mornings. If your idea that church, oh, I, I went to church. Coming to Sunday mornings. That's an anemic, unbiblical view of church. Because you cannot do what Paul is calling us to do by coming here at 10 o'clock and leaving at noon. This is a lifestyle. Church is a family. You cannot do what Paul is calling you to do if you think that, okay, oh, I did church. I went to church once a week for two hours. This type of biblical discipleship cannot be done through books, blogs, YouTube videos. It's called in the context of the church life. The godly, older women must be the books that the younger ones are reading. Remember what Paul says? You are an open letter, he tells the, the, the Christians in Corinth. And the same thing with the older godly women in the church. You must be the open book that the younger ones can come, touch, smell, and learn from you. The younger ones must have humility. They must have the humility to realize that it's not just because you read a few books here and there that you are the expert. No, you need older godly women in your life. Amen? And during the first century, you're going to talk more about this next Sunday. During the first century, there was this rise of the new Roman woman. We're going to talk about that next Lord's Day. The rise of the new Roman woman. And that was just feminism on roids in the first century. And was just spreading all over. That's why you have so much of Paul urging the women and the wives to go back to the biblical foundation because they were being intoxicated by this Roman feminism. And what Paul is saying is, we need the older godly women in the church to come alongside and help get the intoxication out of the younger ones. They need to come alongside, wake up call with these women. Andreas Kosenberg, he says, There is a dire need in the church today for older women who are godly, and obey the biblical directive to train young women in the faith. Many young, many young women long for more mature women to take them under their wings and to teach them how to live the Christian life. 
especially since many lack godly role models in their own families. Notably, such mentoring involving private rather than public instruction should focus on the domestic sphere. So let me ask you, sisters, who have you been training? Who have you been teaching? Who have you been helping to become wise by walking alongside them? And please don't tell me of all the women that you mentored in the past. The golden days long ago. God's grace is training you now. God's grace is empowering you now. The Christian life, sometimes we treat the Christian life as a museum. Oh man, all the relics, all the, the, the historical things. Oh man, I used to do that. I used to do this and I used to disciple. What are you doing now? What are the, the younger women that you are mentoring, that you're walking with? Now let me tell you, you do not need the elder's approval to do that because you have God's approval right here. You don't need to come to me and Joseph to ask if you can do that. It's a commitment from God. Amen? I have heard older men and older women say, Oh, I have done my time. Oh, you have done your time. So let's have a funeral. Right? <laughs> man, if you have done your time, let's have a funeral. You, you are not done with your time. If you're here, if you're breathing, it doesn't matter how old you are, God has, a, has you... To be used for his kingdom. And note how much of this teaching we're going to see next Lord's Day, how much of the teaching to the younger women is related to the household, the family. Why? Because Satan loves to destroy the family. That's his goal, to destroy the family. Look at the families nowadays. Falling apart. And note also that Paul... It doesn't say anything about the youth group or the youth pastor. Who are supposed to be training their younger ones? The youth ministry? The youth pastor? Is that what Paul says? Please don't throw your stones. It's very clear. It's so heartbreaking to see so many churches splitting the church. And now you have two services. The first service is for the older people. So you, you have the more traditional hymns. And then the second service is more energetic for the younger people. And then you have the youth groups where the, the people depart. And the youth people are supposed to be dealt with the youth leaders. And the youth leaders are a bunch of youth people who have no clue about life. So you have the blind leading the blind. Rachel and I, we at home, we often pray that the Lord will bring young girls to this church so the girls can have friends. And as we look at the church, we just see the Lord bringing older women to the church. And how wise He is. How wise He is. Because honestly, my girls, what they need is godly women in their lives. More than friends who are just like them. They need the example of the godly older women in this church. Amen? But you see the wisdom of God. We keep praying. But we love to see older, godly ladies coming to the church. Some of you may say, but I'm shy. Right? I can't do that. I'm shy. I'm an introvert. I, I just have a hard time. Welcome to the club. <laughs> How about me? I'm very shy too. But what the Lord calls you to do, He will empower you to do. Amen? So, let's finish here. Time is flying. How, how are the older women supposed to behave like that? How are the older women supposed to be reverent in behavior, like priestesses? How are the women supposed to be free from the slavery of gossip and slander? How are they supposed to be free from the slavery of idols, over their lives? How are the women supposed to be teaching what is good? And the answer is found in verse 11 through 14. Look at that. For the grace of God has appeared, 
bringing salvation for, and you can put here, all the older women in the church. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. That's how you can. Not by your own might, not by your power, but by Christ who has come and conquered you and His transforming grace has changed you and enabled you now to help others to become more like Christ. And some of you, I know after a sermon like that, some of you might be thinking your only struggle with lacking reverence, lacking a conduct that reflects the holy calling of God on your life. Some of you might be struggling because you have been known as a gossip. You have been known as someone who has no control over your appetite, your shopping, laziness, maybe drugs. Men and women here. Verses 11 through 14, brothers and sisters. There is great hope here. There is great hope here. Run to Jesus Christ. Run to Christ. His arms are wide open and He will not. He will not close His arms to you. He will embrace you and give you the grace that you need. To put that idol to death. Amen. So, do not waste your life. Do not waste your life. The reward is great and beautiful. Amen. Father, we, we thank you for your word. And we, we pray that as we are walking through this magnificent passage. So deep, so profound, and yet so simple, Lord. I pray that you'd change us, how we need you to transform us, how easy it is to become molded and, and, and be shaped by our culture. And we don't want that, Lord. We want to be shaped by your word and we want to be transformed by your holiness. So please help us, help us. The women in this church, it's beautiful to be part of a church where we have this older godly women as examples, as pillars in this church, Lord. Please, be kind to us. Help the younger ones to start training themselves right now to be this type of women that the kingdom so desperately needs, Lord. So be with us. I pray that your word will bear fruit in our lives. Please do not let Satan and his demonic birds take away the seed that was planted today, Lord. Thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. And no slavery to sin are powerless before the mighty mercy of our Savior. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.